Yeah, so this is something I'm really excited about um, sharing on, um, especially because it's an area that I believe a lot of people struggle with. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of, of nuances and a lot of uh, ideas about how we should pray and what the correct way is to approach God and, 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 and how effective prayer actually happens. Prayer is one of those things that all of us agree is good, right? I don't know if you spoke to a believer at any point and you're like, do you think prayer is a good idea? I don't think anybody, even if they're not a believer, would be like, no, I think it's a horrible idea. You should definitely never do that. You know, everybody agrees that prayer is good, just like we agree that eating healthy is good and getting enough rest at night is good, yet many of us struggle to do that as well. Um, it's one of those things that we all agree is good, but at the same time, if you then ask a follow-up question to say, okay, so how is your prayer life? Um, how often do you pray? I, I have very rarely in asking about someone's prayer life or asking about how well they connect with God or how, how their prayer life goes. I'm yet to have the response. It's amazing. I pray all of the time. I feel so confident about it. I just, I love connecting with God. It's just me and God. Whenever I'm walking around, I'm praying. God is speaking to me, revelations from the sky. I'm having amazing times in, in the spirit. Um, many, many people when you ask them about their prayer life, they kind of sheepishly reply. You know, the first thing that happens is that the eyes drop down to the ground. Um, there's a tiny bit of, of, of shame that, that comes onto their faces, and they'll be like, they'll be like uh, it's okay, I guess. Um, that's, that's normally the standard answer. It's okay. If, if you had to ask, I'm not going to ask you to do it, but if you had to ask your neighbor right now, like, so how is your prayer life? Yeah, you know, no, it's good. It's good. You know, it's, it's good. It reminds me of the time... Eli came home and he was so excited. He told me, Dad, I climbed a tree at school. And um, I said to him, because I know you're not allowed to climb trees at school. I said to him, are you allowed to climb a tree at school, boy? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> said it three times, just like convincing himself, yeah. And uh, that's kind of like, how's your prayer life? Is it good? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not bad. Um, so that's kind of, kind of the response that I normally get or... People would say often, you know what, it could be better, or I really want to pray, I really have the desire to pray, I really feel the need to pray, but my life is just so busy. I just, you know, time just gets away from me, and, or I get distracted, or uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, it's happened to me before, I'm driving in the car and I'm praying, and then I get distracted, and like 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, sorry God, you're still here, sorry, <laughs> you know, it's like when you forget that someone's on the phone, and 20 minutes later, you're like, are you still here? You know, um, we get distracted and I've had people tell me how guilty they feel about trying to pray when they get into bed and then falling asleep while they pray. And, uh, and so this is something that if we're honest with this morning, a lot of us actually struggle to know how to do well. Um, and a lot of us feel guilty about that, feel guilty about the lack of prayer that we have in our lives. And then when we really need to pray, when we face big situations in life, when, when there's a crisis that occurs, when, when uh, there's somebody that we love that is sick or, or, or some uh, real just answer that we need from God, when we really need to pray, sometimes it's like when my dogs, because I, I have these two little dogs that when we open up our gates at home, they're just like right out the gate. I don't know how many of you have dogs like that, but they're just like right out the gate. And then it is such a mission 
to get them back into, into the yard. And so I'll stand there calling and then they'll kind of, you know, they, they, they were having so much fun when they ran, you know, they were so excited about getting out. But now that they're coming back, they're all kind of like sheepishly, because they know they're in trouble and then they kind of come back all like, you know, just like slyly crawling in uh, right next to the wall because uh, they know that they haven't done what they're supposed to. Um, and for a lot of us, when we, we struggle in our prayer life, and then when we really need to pray, it's like we come back like the same way my dogs come back into the yard. We're kind of like, hey, God, uh, it's me. Uh, I don't know if you still remember me, but um, I used to go to church, and I prayed, I think it was last year. And, um, and so we kind of come back all sheepishly, all uh, insecure, um, you know, saying, hey, God, we, I know we haven't chatted in a while. I know I should have been praying every single day when things were going well and when, when you know, I know I should have kept up my prayer life and all of the rest, but uh, if it's okay, I, I just, I really need you right now. Hey, at Anchor, we like to be real about what our relationships with God sometimes go through. We don't want to put on a, a Christian facade here this morning and say, I just have the best prayer lives ever. Some of you do, and that's amazing. But for many people, it's a struggle. And then we feel like when we really need God, do we really have the right to go before Him? And so these are the things that we struggle with and that we deal with. And my hope is that over the next few weeks, as we discuss what an authentic prayer life looks like, that we can clear up some of the misconceptions about prayer for you. That we can deal with some of the awkwardness, some of the guilty feelings, and some of the religious concepts that may be stifling your prayer life and help you to start communicating with God in a natural, uncomplicated, faithful way. How many of you want a prayer life like that? Just natural, uncomplicated, simple, faithful. My hope is, is that uh, through the messages that we'll be sharing over the next few weeks, that that's really what um, you'd be able to begin developing uh, in your work, walk with God. So uh, today is the first message in our series, Authentic Prayer, and I have entitled it, There Is No Try. There is no try. Won't you just turn to the person next to you this morning and say, there is no try. You can go full Yoda on this, say, do or do not, but there is no try. Yes, this is the first time I've taken a sermon title from a Star Wars movie, but I cannot promise you that it won't happen again. Um, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter number 11 this morning, from Star Wars to Hebrews. Let's uh, open up our Bibles. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 6. I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible this morning. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists. I love how just simple and pragmatic the Bible is sometimes. Like if you're going to pray, if you're going to approach God, if you're going to be near to God, you just, first of all, just one thing that's important, you have to actually believe He exists. <laughs> you have to actually believe that He's there. When you pray, <laughs> necessarily believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. 
Without faith, it's impossible for us to walk with God, to draw near to God, to please God. But as we draw near to Him, we must necessarily believe that He exists, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Let's go ahead and pray together this morning, and then we'll share on this. Jesus, we uh, come to you this morning, and we believe that you exist. We believe with all of our hearts that you are real, that you died on the cross for our sins, that you were raised from the dead, and that right now you are seated in heavenly places uh, at the right hand of God, interceding for us, praying for us, communicating with us, and by your Spirit, you're present in this place this morning. We know that you are a rewarder, you are good, you are gracious, you are true, and you reward those who diligently seek you. So we open up our hearts this morning, God. We seek you with our hearts, we seek you with our minds, Lord. We seek to understand you more, to draw closer to you, to know more of your goodness and more of your grace. And so we just pray that as we do that, Jesus, that by your grace that you would speak to us and just reveal more of your goodness to us. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So I'm sure this has happened to most of us, or if not all of us, that um, at times when you're meeting somebody for the first time, or perhaps you you see somebody that you know, um, and you want to go over to greet them, that sometimes there is an awkwardness that happens. Sometimes there's like an awkward moment that happens between you and somebody else, uh, you know, when you're trying to greet them. Um, I remember once Uh, in high school, having to give uh, a bouquet of of flowers uh, to one of the moms and kind of representing the school and thanking her for something that she did to help. And in my mind, all of a sudden, how to hand over a bunch of flowers became complicated. Like in my mind, I was like, how how does one do this? Do you lead with a hug first? Do you shake her hand? Is that too formal? You know, do you just give the flowers and walk away? It's it's actually, you know, when you when you start thinking about it that way, it gets real complicated really quickly. And so I was like, but you know, some some uh, cultures would would prefer like a kiss on the cheek and other. And so I I don't know what I did, but in front of the entire school, I tried to do all of it at once. Um, and it was horrible, and I, we may have like bumped heads at one point, I don't even know what was going on, and everybody was laughing, um, because there was this awkward moment. Uh, I also remember a time when I went over to the States, and I met this couple, and I've visited them again since, and we still talk about this specific moment, but we met them, you know, up front it's easy, because it's just a handshake, and then we had dinner together, and we were just hanging out. We were chatting. We were talking about the gospel. We were, we were laughing. We left the restaurant. We were at like 1 in the morning. And now we're out in the parking lot, and we're saying goodbye. And I, and I, didn't, you know, I knew that from that next morning I was going to the next city, so I wouldn't see them again. And so I go over to the guy. His name is Ben Straup. And um, if he's listening to this message online, love you, Ben. Uh, thanks for the awkward hugs. But... Um, but I, I go over to Ben, and I shake his hand, but I feel so warm towards this guy because we just had this great dinner. So after the handshake, I'm like, that wasn't enough. There needed to be more in this equation. And so I shake his hand, and he shakes me, and I can feel that he feels the same. But we've already passed the handshake moment, so we ended up standing shoulder to shoulder trying to, like, pat each other on the back, you know, and just like, yeah, actually, I wanted to hug you, but I didn't, so... I hope a pat will suffice, you know, and we're like standing next to each other, patting each other's backs, and then, um, you know, his wife, uh, Tisha, she comes up to me, and I think to myself, you know what, I'm not making the same mistake twice. I'm going in, because I'm also, I'm South African, 
we hug. If you're here at Anchor, sometimes I hug people and then I go, oh, nice to meet you. My name's Adrian. You know, just like, welcome. And, um, and, so, and so I go in for a full hug, but I don't think she was anticipating it. So she kind of, uh, you know, backed out a little bit, gave me her hand to shake, and then I'm already in. I'm committed, you know. And so it ended up being like a backwards, like entwined pretzel thing. And there's like other people there as well watching this all go down. And I, got to get, I had to get into the car with like four of them uh, afterwards. So we get into the car and it's just quiet. And then eventually I'm like, do you guys see how awkward that was? And everybody's like, yes, it was the worst thing we ever saw. It was so bad. They were literally cringing on the inside, um, watching us trying to express feelings to each other. Um, and so we, often in life, we have these awkward embraces. And the, the problem with the awkward embrace is that it's actually something so simple to do, to give a hug or to give a handshake or to express um, some sort of affection is so simple to do, but we get so worried about what we're supposed to do that we end up complicating it. We end up making it weird, and so instead of just doing it, we complicate it. We have this way as people of complicating things, things that are meant to be simple in life, things that are meant to just be enjoyed and just be experienced and, and just be walked out in a simple way, we, we often just turn it into the biggest chore for ourselves. And we get all insecure about it and, 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 and all worried about it and, and we just end up complicating the best things in life, things that are so simple. And it's really like this with our relationship with God. A relationship with God is a relationship that's what it is. It's a simple relationship, but we end up complicating it with so many things that we wonder, is this how it's supposed to be? Is this how it's supposed to happen? Are we supposed to do that first? Do we, do we start with a handshake and then go to the hug, or do we transition the other way around? I mean, how do, we, how do we have this relationship with God? How do we speak to God? How do we communicate with God? For many people, prayer feels like an awkward hug. It's something so simple, but we just complicate it so much, and, and we get so preoccupied with how exactly are we supposed to do this? How exactly are we supposed to do this? What is the formula? What is, what, what is, the, what is, what is the, the procedure? It's something so simple, but instead of just doing it, we get all weird, we get all weird with prayer, and we wonder, how, what is the key? That's what people then want to know. Okay, I've tried the prayer thing. I've had all the awkward hugs. I don't even know if God is hearing me. I don't even know if I'm doing this right. I don't know what I'm supposed to do before I pray, after I pray, during I pray. Am I supposed to sit? Am I supposed to stand? Am I supposed to kneel? Am I supposed to clasp my hands like this or like this or like this? I mean, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> if you become aware of your hands, awkward place to be is like, just stay there, hand. You know, what do you do with your hands during prayer? Uh, am I supposed to read scripture? Am I supposed to praise first, repent first, ask first? What do I do? What is the key to powerful prayer? What I've noticed in my life is that whenever I'm not confident in something, I need more and more aids to help me uh, to, to try and do it well, to try and feel confident about what I'm doing. And for some people, prayer is like doing that thing that you know you're supposed to do, but you 
don't really know how or that you don't really want to do. So it's like studying. If you remember trying to study, then what happens is because you're not confident and because deep down you don't really want to study, you feel that everything needs to be perfect first. So before you can start studying, you need to clean out the garage. Two totally unrelated things, but now they have to be related. Because you're not confident, so you've got to go and clean out the garage. Because when the garage is done, you've got to do the rest of the house. When the house is done, you've got to get to the actual holy grail arena of where the studying shall take place. Perfect amount of sunlight, perfect amount of fresh air blowing through the window, the right stationery. Oh, I don't have a fourth blue pen, so let me go to CNA before I can start studying. And then I need them all laid out, and then I need just the right amount of music. No, not that track. No, not that track. No, not that track. No, that track's fine. Um, you know, and, and, and you, you basically try to create the perfect environment for it before you can actually start. And people do that with prayer. Oh, I can't pray because I have a small house or because I don't have a garden or because I don't have a prayer closet. I, what I need is one of those leather chairs. You know those ones that like, rich people listen to music on? I need one of those. And then I need a little table and a little lamp and some coffee. And then I can Instagram that first before I pray. And then with my Bible and the, and, the cough, and the cup. And then I can sit. And then, then when all things are done and it's ready, I can pray. And uh, we do that. We have all these prerequisites that we put into our prayer life that just complicates it. And it means that we just end up not praying. I remember um, many years ago, in fact, I actually remember sitting to Rashika at that time. There was the church that uh, I was a part of had, there was some policemen in Joburg that tragically went after some bad guys uh, into an area in Bromfontein and uh, four of the policemen got shot that day and, and, and were killed. And so the funeral, um, which was almost a national event, it was televised, it was on, on TV, um, on, on the news and everything, was held at the church that I was at at the time. And so um, all of these speeches, the, the police commissioner was there and, and members of government were there and, and all of these important people were there and you had different uh, high-ranking officers within the police force coming up to make speeches or to say something at this funeral. And so I remember so clearly that they would get up and then they would greet specific people um, in a specific order and then after they had done all of that, they would say the words, protocol observed. So, I mean, I just, for me, that instantly makes the greeting a little less sincere. <laughs> Imagine if I walked up to you here on a Sunday and I was like, how are you doing? Are you fine? Are you well? Protocol observed. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've done my duty, man. And it just stuck with me because I realized that people have put a protocol into their prayer life. Because they feel like they can only approach God when they have observed the protocol and what exactly that protocol is differs depending on which pastor you speak to. But people feel that if I don't observe the protocol properly, that God won't be able to hear me, that God won't be able to answer me, that God won't be able to, to speak to me and have fellowship with me. And I can just imagine how frustrating this must be to God. Honestly, so frustrating to God. Because he must be sitting there going, you don't get it. I have done every single thing necessary to make you right with me. 
I mean, to the point where I sent my own son to die on the cross so that you can have a free relationship with me. And I put it in the scriptures that you can boldly approach the throne of grace in your time of need, that we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that, that, we, ha- that we are close to God, that we can speak to God, that He is our Father, that, that, we are, that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are cherished, that we are accepted, that we are the righteousness of God by our faith in Christ Jesus, that there is nothing that can separate us any longer from God and His presence. He has done all of it, and then we're like, protocol observed. Super frustrating. I sent my son to die for you on the cross, not so that you could observe a protocol, but so that you can enjoy his presence, so that you can stand freely in his presence and, and, and pour out your heart before God and allow him to speak to you without any of the religious baggage. And that's why I feel that what we forget is that we're speaking about a real relationship here between you and God. God is not a human, He's not a man, but He is a person. A person that has emotions, that has a mind and a will, that has a view. He's a real, genuine Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, that you and I have unlimited access to, to enjoy, to speak to, to, to be encouraged by. We, you know, we, we so often, when we're in trouble, we want to run for advice. We want to go to people, and, and I do that. I, I, I love to just get counsel from, from, from different people, specifically people wiser and smarter than myself. But we have that access, that kind of access to God, and it's, it's constant, it's unlimited. Imagine if I would only listen, imagine what you would think about me as a father, if I would only listen to my sons when they approach me in exactly the right way. Can you imagine if my my son walks up to me and he's like, Dad, I need to ask you something. I'm like, no, your hair isn't brushed, your shirt's untucked, You, um, you you didn't address me in the correct way, go back to your room, fix everything, and then if you're lucky, I'll let you talk to me later. (laughs) I would be the worst dad ever. You would file to try and adopt my kids from me, take them away from me. Imagine if I made my kids observe a protocol before they could speak to me. Like, we're sitting at the the dinner table and my son has to go, oh, great dad, here at the dinner table. With your majestic wisdom and unsearchable knowledge of sports. who has provided this meal for us today by going to work every day and is now here present with us to consume these wholesome vegetables. Please would you, if it be your will, pass the tomato sauce. Perfect prayer, son. Here's the tomato sauce. Keep it up. Can you imagine? Hey, if you've spent any amount of time with a time with me and my kids, you'll know that it's nothing like that. We teach them to speak respectfully and to ask nicely and to, to say please and to say thank you and all of that. But most of the time, if you're around me and my kids, you'll see that they are clamoring all over me. Like all access, all of the time. Uh, we went and watched the movie with them the other day and at one point I had all three boys on my lap. Couldn't see a single thing. But they were happy. 
they just, because they don't feel like there's any limits to the way that they can be close to me. And I'm not a perfect father. I'm a selfish, imperfect, earthly father. Can you imagine how much more this would be true with our heavenly father, especially in light of what he did for us through Jesus? especially in light of how he died for our sins and how he removed every bit of, of separation between us and him. I have to teach my boys, and if you've been around here at church, you'll see that I have to do this, but I have to teach my boys again and again that when I'm speaking to someone else, they can't just come and speak to me because in their minds, that's my dad, and I'll talk to him whenever I want to talk to him. And, uh, and I actually have to go, wait, boy, you have to, you have to wait. I'm, I'm busy speaking right now. But in their hearts and in their minds, they don't see any restriction on how or when they can communicate with me. They never consider that their access would be restricted. And believe it or not, this is exactly what the Bible describes when it talks about our relationship with God. Honestly, it's our lack of faith that makes us struggle. It's our lack of faith that makes us complicate things because we think that we still have to put steps in place and instead of just believing in the full access that we have through the cross. The Bible says that our relationship with our Father is not a stiff, religious relationship. In fact, there were religious people that prayed more than all of us. If all of us started praying right now and prayed till the end of our lives, we wouldn't combined come close to the way that these guys used to pray. In Scripture, there were religious people more devout than what we could imagine in the form of the Pharisees. And they, as a practice from the young, since they could walk and since they could talk, just prayed. Prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And they went through all of these things. And then at one point, Jesus, the Son of God, arrives on earth. And they're still praying and they're fasting. And they, they, actually, they actually say it at one point, we tithe, we fast, we, we don't do this, we do this. So they, they, they're just the most religious, devout people. And you know what Jesus says about them? He says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I can tell you right now that God prefers three seconds of sincere, honest communication from your heart where you genuinely recognize him as the one that you need and you pour out your heart in front of him. He prefers three seconds of that than a lifetime of you fulfilling religious duties and protocols. I remember that this is what changed my prayer life. Because I believed I needed to pray a specific amount of hours every single day. And so at one point, I was like at two or three hours a day. And I remember once praying for almost an hour straight. And then realizing I hadn't thought about Jesus once. Like this is just an, an action that I follow. This is just a, a protocol that I'm observing. And really that prayer was about me. It was about the way when I walked out. I wouldn't think about how good Jesus is. You pray for an hour, you walk out and you're like, man, I'm good. I'm good. I prayed for an hour. I am good. It was actually more about me than it was about Jesus. It was more about me feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm pulling together spiritual credits as opposed to really crying out to God and trusting Him and declaring my dependence upon Him. So God doesn't want lips that honor him and hearts that are far from him. He wants a genuine, free, intimate relationship with you. Romans 8 verse 15 says, 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. When you received God, when you received the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in the gospel, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. This is not a slave mentality. This is not a fearful thing. This is not a a thing that we're worried about, but you have received the spirit of adoption. You've been adopted. You've been accepted. You've been brought home. And by this spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. That's an intimate word for dad. Abba, Father. That's the spirit we've received. Not a restrictive spirit, not a religious spirit, but a spirit by which we cry out. Nothing is as beautiful as seeing a soul cry out its dependence and declare its dependence upon God. And that's really the start of authentic prayer. That's why in Hebrews 11, it says that those who come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder. You've got to believe that God exists and you've got to believe that He is good, that He has got good things for you, that that the gospel applies to your life, that His grace abounds towards you. So authentic prayer starts with authentic faith. It starts with you genuinely believing in who God is and who He is and, and, and what He has done to redeem us. It starts with us genuinely accepting the fact that we are loved by God, that God cares about us. Can you imagine if, how that would change your prayer life? If you believed with all of your heart that God actually cares, that He wants to answer you, that we're accepted because of Jesus, and, and because of that, we're free to be ourselves. That's the difference between someone, for example, on a first date and someone or a relationship that after a couple has been married for 10 years. The first date, it's all about the, the look and all about how well you present yourself and all about saying the right things and, and all about like making sure that you don't say anything to offend, making sure that you, that, you, that you just kind of present yourself exactly the way that you want to be seen. But 10 years later, you're kind of lying on the couch in your underpants in an old t-shirt like, hey. The reason is, is because you know that in a committed relationship that you're not accepted based, based on your looks or based on, your, or, or, on what you do. You're accepted based on the love that that person has for you. You become comfortable and secure in the love. And so mature faith is comfortable and, and secure. It doesn't have pretense, which means it becomes authentic. It means that you can just talk to God without having to put all the first date ritual things into place. Just talk, hey God, it's me. Uh, I suck at this, I'm horrible, but let me just say this. Let me just speak to you. You don't have to wait for the right time, for the right amount of sunlight, for the right tune to come on on iTunes radio. You just All that you need is just, hey God, it's me, and I just need to speak to you. In fact, I don't even preface my prayers anymore. I just begin to talk. I just begin to speak, sometimes almost automatically. I just begin to speak because I don't think for a moment that God is not close to me or that God is waiting for me. I've I've heard people say that like God is waiting for you like in your prayer prayer closet or in your prayer room. And, and, And I understand what they mean by that. But man, God's not just sitting in a room despondently waiting for you to show up. He's with you. 
here's the great thing. God is speaking to you even when you're not speaking to him. And that's a part of prayer. As God is speaking to your heart, informing you of your identity, informing you of your values, informing you of, of, of the things that he has for you, he is speaking to you. And all we need to do is even in our hearts, begin to communicate with God, open up ourselves and just begin to speak. He hears us. We need to understand that we're loved, that we're accepted. If we're going to pray authentically, we need to believe in the acceptance we have in Jesus. Some people live, if I can put it this way, this side today, sorry guys, you guys are the past. Um, but some people believe that like, this is their past, that they walk out, and in this past, there's all kinds of stuff that they're not proud about, all kinds of stuff that they did wrong, all kinds of mistakes that they made, all kinds of setbacks, and all kinds of rebellion towards God in their past. And then they come to a moment where they accept Jesus, and they say, everything that's in my past, it's done away with, it's gone, I don't have to think about it anymore, I don't have to worry about it, it's gone, it's in the past, and, and now I just, I'm this new creation, and I'm living into the future. I just keep my eyes on the future. I'm just talking about authenticity for, for one brief moment here this morning. Do you know that that is true from a legal standpoint? Our past is done away with. All of this is forgiven. All of the sinfulness that we have lived in is, is washed away. But you know that sometimes we still carry some of the effects of the past into the future. We still carry some of the insecurities of the hurts that we have from childhood. We still carry some of the, of, of the consequences of, of the things that happened in our past in our today. And so when we get to the point of the cross, I believe that the, the, the light of the cross doesn't just shine into your future, but it shines into your past as well. And what it helps you to do, it helps you to reconcile and redeem even the negative, sinful things that were a part of your life. And so you're no longer hiding this under a carpet somewhere. It's open. I, I did it. It's, it's, it was there. It was a mistake. But, but it's forgiven, and, and God has redeemed it, and He has brought it to this point. And I also believe that I have a future. So taking what God has done through my past, I've dealt with, a, with that, and now I can confidently walk into the future. In other words, we begin to integrate ourselves. The light and the shade, the good and the bad the securities and the insecurities. And then we go, God, this is me. This is who I am. I've got all of this stuff that I've dealt with, but none of it keeps me from walking with you in the days that lie ahead. It's, it's authentic, it's, it's real, it's genuine. To the point where you can turn around and look at your past and it's no longer a threat to you. It's no longer a threat to your relationship with God. It's no longer something that you have to be so, you could actually start to deal sufficiently, and I believe that's what God does as he restores us, is he begins to shine more and more of that light into the good and the bad of our lives and, and bring us to a place where we realize that all of our life, all of our lives are in the hand of God. It's in God's hands. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, just this one, it's a very short verse. It says, pray without ceasing. <laughs> Who's ever experienced the pressure of that one? Pray without ceasing. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you just constantly pray? Like, how would you ever speak to someone else if you're just always talking to God? 
Pray without ceasing. Now, the Bible says it. But it's because I believe that what God wants for us is not just specific prayer moments like you have got to be in a prayer room praying 24-7, but instead that He wants a lifestyle of openness and communication with God. I never close the door figuratively of my prayer room again. My prayer room is wherever I am, wherever I'm walking. At, any, at the drop of a hat, I can start speaking to God. I can start communicating with God in my heart and my mind. I can, I can hear His voice. And we'll talk about specific moments of prayer and specific types of prayer more in this series. But as a foundation, I believe that what God really wants us to realize is that He never leaves our side. And so we can communicate with Him freely and openly every moment of every day. Without protocol, without fuss, without the need for, for uh, intense introspection. Just speak, because God is, is listening. So, to come to Star Wars, because I know you've been waiting for this, um, this is the famous quote. Um, just to clarify, I wouldn't necessarily consider Yoda as a theologian, <laughs> but it just worked for me today, okay? So, the famous quote that Yoda says to a young Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars movie, he says, do or do not, there is no try. And today I want to say to you, pray or pray not, there is no try. You're either praying or you're not praying, but there's no trying to pray. There's no better prayer. Because to try is to pray. If your heart is intent on communicating with God, then you're communicating with God. <laughs> if you have the desire to speak to God, then you're speaking to God already and He's speaking to you already. You cannot fail at prayer. Nobody can. We can just simply be open to this relationship with God. So I wanna encourage you today. Open your heart, open your mouth, say something, say nothing. Shout if you must, raise your hands, clasp them, sing if you want to. You can close your eyes or you can keep them open. You can get down on your knees. You can use whatever language you like or use no language at all. You can pray when you're walking. You can pray when you're running. I need to pray when I'm running at this point. You can, you can pray when you're driving to work, when you're setting the table for dinner, when you're lying in bed before you turn out the light. There is no limit to prayer. And there's no designated space in which it's supposed to occur. There's just you and God. Just you and God. A father and a son. A father and a daughter. Talking, sharing, listening, growing. And it really is that simple. You're either praying or you're not praying. There's no trying to pray. Does that make sense this morning? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I don't know if it's going to be comforting to you this morning or not. But some of the most powerful moments of my entire life in terms of prayer have been when I've been standing in the shower. Erase that, erase that image from your mind right now. Just don't think about it. 
But you know what happens when you're standing in the shower is that you let your guard down. You're surrounded by the sound of the, of the water. You have nowhere to rush to. You're, you're just standing there. And what you allow yourself is to just be. And I can promise you, even though there's many parts of my life that's imperfect and many parts that I, that I desperately still need to grow in, when I am just myself, the genuine, sincere core or cry of my heart is just my faith in the fact that God is with me. And so when I'm standing there, I don't even make a decision to pray. I just start praying. My longest and best prayer meetings are in my time while I'm standing in the shower. And again, I don't know if this is comforting to you, but I will be praying for you in the shower. <laughs> like, honestly, I'll just be standing there, and I'll just be going, oh, man, I, I remember this thing is actually happening, and somebody in our church is going through this. And right there where I'm standing, I just go, God, I just, I just pray for that person right now. I just ask that you'd intervene in that situation. Just pray that you comfort them. Then I'll think about the next person and I'll just start praying. Before I know it, I've prayed, about, I've prayed for Anchor Church. I've prayed for your individual lives. I've prayed for, for my own family. I've prayed for my own relationships. I've gone through all of it. And, and I did out of, all of it without needing any of the perfect kind of environment before I could do it. Because it's what you would do when you were just in your most comfortable self. And so that becomes my life. When something happens where I'm all of a sudden in danger, I don't even think about praying. I don't set up a schedule or a time with God. I just cry out to Him. I need you, God. It's, it's, it's what I have recognized in the deepest part of my soul. I said, I need Jesus. That He's my dad. Like my sons, if they're in trouble, they don't think twice. They just cry out, Dad. Because they believe, because they know the love that I have for them. That's what the very most basic base level of prayer is. It's you crying out with all of your heart, Dad. So when I'm overwhelmed, I pray. When I just got really good news, I pray. When the Springboks play rugby, I pray. When I'm thinking about my friends, I pray. And this is not because I'm a super committed Christian. It's just because I believe that God is truly with me, that he's truly my father and that he's truly answering me all of the time. Jonathan Edwards, the American theologian, he said this, he says, prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is to life. When you're alive right now, you don't have to think about breathing you just, it's involuntary, you just breathe because you're alive. And when you have faith, you don't even have to think about prayer. You just pray because that's what you have. You have faith. Now there are specific moments of prayer and it's good to have a prayer time and it's good to structure some time of prayer. And we'll talk about that coming up in the future. But what is the starting point for authentic prayer? It's authentic faith. It's a belief in who our Father is and the access, the unlimited, unrestricted access that we have to Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray right now.